Welcome to the Big Church Podcast. We are a church in Barrie, Ontario, Canada, and we hope you are blessed by this message. For more information, check out our website at bigchurch.cc. Amen. God is so good. And uh, I wish see Father's Day first as a tribute to the greatest father, our Heavenly Father, and those of us that have had to rely on our Heavenly Father much more than our earthly father, know that He is a very good Father. He picks up the slack when there's slack. He is unbelievable when it comes to being a good Father. And um, I just want us to... uh, Remember that today as we're looking, we're going to get into the word, and I have a word that's, I'm going along again with my theme, True Courage, with the life of Daniel, and uh, it just so happens it falls on a good one that it, it can be an encouraging word, not just for fathers, but for everyone, of course, but I want to encourage fathers because fathers, we set, we set the tone, that, you know, the Bible calls us in our homes to be the priest of our homes, not that we're better than our wives, um, it's that in for the purpose of order, there has to be someone that God can have that he like has as that point person. And, um, and he deals with that situation in, in that order. And um, both contribute and both are going towards the same direction. But two people can't lead. They can't lead. And, 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 and so God has to, in that situation... Let it fall on someone. And God has given us the grace to be able to lead. And there's sometimes there's tough decisions that have to be made. There's things that have to be done as a, as a husband and as a father that you have to take a stand for and you have to push through for. But God gives you the grace to be able to do it. And, and we see this in Scripture that God is that constant. God is that one that's the giver of everything and everything good. God is that one that's steadfast and unwavering and unmovable. And so he's a good, good father. And when we see Daniel, I love the life of Daniel. I've just been just meditating in it um, with looking at this whole uh, message uh, theme is that we see with Daniel. um, Daniel was the father of a nation. Now, he was the he fathered he cared for his people when they were in captivity he was he was taking stands and standing up for what was right and it changed the course of even the leaders decisions because we're going to see this in daniel 3 today um and not just daniel but it encouraged shadrach meshach and abednego to do the same to have courage to do the right thing and so we see that daniel even though he never had children, and, you know, a lot of people, I mean, we, we won't know this is one of those questions when you get to heaven, I'm going to meet Daniel, and I'm going to say, were you a eunuch? <laughs> because we, we know that, that, you know, those that were, were close to the king were. And so, you know, to be, able, to be a eunuch, that would, like, of course, strip you of, you know, we would think your manliness and all of that. But, but Daniel knew to know God is to be a true, true leader. And so to be that leader under God, that gave him what he needed. Didn't matter what was stripped from him, God was able to work through him. And we see this 
in Daniel, we see the three qualities. We see humility, we see trust, and we see hope. These three things we're going to continually see through the book of Daniel when we're looking today. But I want us to remember something, and, and this is for all the fathers, but it's also for all of us who are have children and, and for mothers too, um, and for all of us that are taking a stand. In Deuteronomy 7, when God gave the commandments, when God gave his, his um, instruction to the children of Israel, um, he gave it earlier in Exodus, but I'm going to read it in Deuteronomy here because it kind of explains it a little better. He says here, this is why I did it. He said, for you are a holy people who belong to the Lord your God. Of all the people on the earth, the Lord God has chosen you to be his own special treasure. So God has called us to himself, but he's called us to himself to be who he created us to be. A, a, a creator and a designer, you can't step outside of what they've created. You, you can't be different than what they've made you to be. If God set certain things in order and certain structures in order, that's the way that they work. And if we step outside of that, it doesn't work, right? He said, like, gravity is a law that's been set in motion, right? Now, we can say, well, you know, it's all this scientific stuff, but someone set that in motion. And God designed it that gravity keeps us down. And when we, when we, when we go against gravity, it's great when we're in an airplane because the law of lift supersedes the law of gravity. But how many know you jump off a tall building, the law of gravity is not going to work for you. You can step off that thing and say, I don't believe in gravity. I don't believe. I am against gravity. Ah, Splat. Gravity will win, right? Because it's an unwritten law that is established. And God has many of these. And so to, to know him, he wrote 66 books about himself. And those books tell us of his nature, tell us his ways, it unfolds how he, he brought these things to us. It, it, it shows his long-suffering and his, and his kindness and his goodness, even in the midst of his discipline and the things that he had to do. But he set these things in place, and it says here he did this because we are his chosen own special treasure. At verse 7, it says, The Lord did not set his heart on you and choose you because you were more numerous than other nations, for you were the smallest of all nations. So we see Israel. How many know Israel is a tiny little nation that has tremendous influence in the world? I could go on and on and on with a list of all the different things, how a tiny little nation has. You know that Hollywood was created by the Jewish people? Did you know that? Yeah. Study the, the beginnings of Hollywood. It's a bunch of Jewish guys. And there's all kinds of things. Nobel Peace Prize winners. Jewish people are clearly top the charts for winners for Nobel Peace Prize in the, in, in the world. And so um, there's so many things where they, they just, they, they dominate and they lead. But, but God picked the smallest nation. He says, rather, he says, this is why. It was simply that the Lord loves you. And he was keeping the oath he had sworn to your ancestors. And that is why the Lord rescued you with a strong hand from your slavery and from the oppressive hand of Pharaoh, king of Egypt. Then he says this, Understand, therefore, that the Lord your God is indeed God. Okay? 
we need to understand this. God is God. Now, in today's day and age, with where we are at, there's all kinds of things. Man's own thinking, man's own understanding, all of these things become a God. But in the end, we've got to know God is God. And it says here, he is the faithful God who keeps his covenant for a thousand generations and lavishes his unfailing love on those who love him and obey his commands. Amen? So, fathers, this is my exhortation to you. How many want God's unfailing love lavished on the next thousand generations? All right, Michael does. Andrew, you don't? Yeah? Okay. I hope so. Well, you're getting it because I'm choosing. I'm choosing to do this, to love the Lord my God and to obey his commands, to love him and to obey him. And Daniel did this. And Daniel, I believe, knew this. Obviously, Daniel had studied this portion of Scripture. He understood this aspect of his, of his history. But he understood, look, I'm bringing the blessing of God. And Daniel got ripped off, and he got taken into captivity. Why? Because God was disciplining the nation of Israel at the time and saying, look, guys, for 70 years you're going to be captive. But, but in that captivity... Know that I'm going to still prosper you and bless you. Bless those people, and as I bless them, I'll bless you. And he says, live in that captivity, and, and when that time is done, then I will bring you out. But, but there was a season, and Daniel knew, I can still have the blessing of God. My obedience and my love for God is what brings the blessing of God in my life to others. And so... Really, all of this that's going on, we wonder, you know, why, why, why all of this? It doesn't matter. Our, the question should be asking is, God, how can I honor you now? How can I honor you with my life now? How can I know you now? Because Daniel 11.32 says, verse uh, 11.32b, the end of the verse, it says, the people who know their God will display strength and take action. So Daniel, he decided, I'm going to display strength. I'm going to know God. I'm going to display strength, and I'm going to take action. And that's what he did. He lived that way, and that's an awesome way to live. And so in Daniel, we're going to look here in Daniel. Um, well, let's do a bit of a recap. First of all, in Daniel uh, 1, we see that, that Daniel was taken from his homeland, taken from everything, stripped of, of everything, and and. He has to be now a captive in another nation. And um, how many know that's not so much fun? And, and he decides, okay, I, I'm going to do this. He has to go to an ungodly university and be brainwashed for three years. And he decides, I'm not going to dishonor God by, by the food diet that they have because uh, this is a conviction that I have and I want to honor God. He, he chooses to honor God. God makes a way. I'm not going to go through all of it, but basically the whole dietary system changed for the whole university, and they got to follow Daniel's because Daniel's uh, was proved to be 10 times greater, 10 times better in everything when he honored God, and so they just changed it for everyone. Then Daniel goes on to become um, uh, work for the king way, way high up, and then um, all of a sudden the king gets this disturbing dream, 
And this is in chapter 2. Chapter 1, chapter 2, chapter 3. Things move fast. All of a sudden, Daniel is like, uh, this king has this disturbing dream, and he says, look, I'm not going to tell you what it is. You need to tell me what my dream was and interpret it. Or I'm going to rip all your limbs off and destroy all of you astrologers, all of you, uh, whoever is, is saying they hear from God or can interpret my dream. If you can't tell me, that's it. So Daniel hears of this, and he's like, okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to inquire of God. And Daniel calls his friends, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and says, I've made an appointment with the king. We need God to show me what this dream is because we don't want to get our, our limbs ripped off. <laughs> right? How many know there's some desperate situations that we, we can find ourselves in? And we got one option that's going to be the best option, and that's God's option. But there's so many other go-tos that we can go to. But Daniel didn't have that option. This king was wicked. He was very extreme. I think he was kind of bipolar, and I think he was a bit psychotic. You know, if we were to label him for our days, you'll, you'll see this as we go on in the book of Daniel. But Daniel had to serve this king. And so anyway, he prays. God shows him the dream and shows him the interpretation. He goes and tells the king. And what happens? The king, first of all, Daniel says, don't rip anyone's limbs off. I'm going to tell you the dream and its interpretation. He tells him it. The king is so amazed that this God of heaven revealed it. He's like, okay, you're no longer a prisoner. You're no longer a captive. You're now prime minister of the nation. You're my right-hand guy. Wow. Chapter 2. He goes from way down to second in position over a nation. And what I love about this the, the book ends with, and Daniel said, I want Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego to be overseeing with me. He brings and elevates his, his friends up. How many know that what the Bible says, when one rejoices, we all rejoice? Amen? When one weeps, we all weep. So when Daniel got elevated, he naturally elevated those who stood with him for God. And they stood together. Amen? Now, how many know that should be smooth sailing from there? Woohoo! Right? He's prime minister of his nation. He's got his peeps with him. Everything's good. We're going to cruise now. No. This crazy king decides because of, I think, this dream that, that Daniel interpreted where he was the gold head, it got to his head. And he literally said, I'm making a gold statue. It's going to be ginormous. And he made a statue 90 feet tall and 9 feet wide. How many know that's a little bit being full of yourself when you got to make a gold statue that big? Okay, this is what he did. It says here, and he, let's go to, um, let's start. It says here, verse 1, King Nebuchadnezzar made a gold statue 90 feet tall and 9 feet wide and set it on the plain of Dura in the province of Babylon. Then he sent message, messages to the high officers, officials, governors, advisors, treasurers, judges, magistrates, and all the provincial officials to come to the dedication of the statue he had set up. So all these officials came and stood before the statue King Nebuchadnezzar had set up. So everyone just comes, you know. You know, just what the king said, what the king said. Then a herald shouted out, people of all races and nations and languages, listen to the king's command. 
when you hear the sound of the horn, flute, uh, lyre, harps, pipes, other musical instruments, bow to the ground to worship King Nebuchadnezzar's gold statue. Anyone who refuses to obey will immediately be thrown into a blazing furnace. Wow. <clears throat> How many know this king was a little extreme? And it says here that it says, so at the sound of the musical instruments, all the people, whatever their race or nation or language, bowed to the ground and worshiped the gold statue that the king Nebuchadnezzar had set up. But some of the astrologers went to the king and informed on the king and informed on the Jews. They said to the king Nebuchadnezzar, long live the king. You issued a decree requiring that all the people bow down and worship the gold statue when they hear the sound of the horn, flute, harps, and, and musical instruments. That decree also states that those who refuse to obey must be thrown into a blazing furnace. But there are some Jews, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, whom you have put in charge of the province of Babylon. They pay no attention to you, your majesty. They refuse to serve your gods, and they do not worship the gold statue you have set up. So we see here, there was something inside of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and Daniel. Now, why didn't Daniel have to? I don't know. He was prime minister, maybe, you know, King Nebuchadnezzar knew. We're not going to mess with Daniel's God. And he just left them alone. I don't know. But Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego are being centered out here. And they're basically saying they're not doing what everyone else is doing. Now, this king's order violated one of the greatest commandments, the first commandment, that you'll have no other idols before me. You won't bow to any other. You'll love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your mind, and all your strength. What's the big deal? We just bow down. No, they were men of conviction. They, they knew to honor God was to honor God from our heart and that they truly could not do that. They weren't being defiant to the king to just be defiant. They were submitting to a higher law of God, which was to honor God first, that God was most important of all, that they were not going to bow to anyone else other than the God that they served. Now, there are so many things that we battle with and we fight with that try to get us to bow, that try to get us to compromise, that try to get us to go against many times the things that are on the inside of us. And they, they wrestle and they pull. And, and, we, and we, you can see this with society, is there's a fight. There's a fight for your allegiance. There's a fight for that which is resonates in your heart that your heart wants to be true to and it's pulling here and it's pulling there and people aren't reading their bibles anymore so they don't even know what god wants they don't even understand what what god's ways are they're just here the next flavor that's coming by oh yeah i think god's like this and i think god's like this let's put it on facebook that's legit well let's put it on instagram that's got to be legit let's google it why don't we read our bible the very scriptures that God gave us. Why don't we go there first? Why don't we ask God himself? Because this is what Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego did. They lived from that place of knowing God on his terms. Not their terms. 
his terms. And so what I do with my minister friends that I work with in the city, if they go on about something, and you know, sometimes you have issues and you have situations where you don't agree on everything, then we go back to Scripture and verse. And we'll say, okay, what's, what's Scripture and verse are you standing on for this? What, where are you seeing this in the Scripture? We go back to the neutral ground, which is God's Word. Not what I feel. This is what my denomination does. And this is what they said. And this is what we've done. It's like, no, what, what's God's nature in this? And so Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego had a situation where they were put into a situation where they, they had to ask themselves, and I'm asking myself this a lot, is this a mountain that I want to die on? Because there's a lot of battles we can pick, people. Some of them are just stupid. But some are completely against God's ways. And we are going to have to ask ourselves, and I believe there are going to be things that we're going to have to step into in the days ahead where we are going to have to weigh out and we're going to have to say, God, who am I going to bow my knee to? Because society will force me and say, well, the majority say this. It's like, it doesn't matter. This is what God says, and I'm not going to dishonor him. And so Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they, they came to a place where they had to make a choice. And it says here, it says, first of all, these guys came in and they tattletailed on them. And they say, dang, they're not doing it. And it says here, verse 13, this is where you can see he's a little bit um, uh, probably bipolar Maybe he deals with some sort of situations. It's definitely a demon. Then Nebuchadnezzar flew into a rage and ordered that Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego be brought to him. When they were brought in, Nebuchadnezzar said to them, Is it true, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, that you refuse to serve my gods or to worship the gold statue I've set up? I will give you one more chance to bow down and worship the statue I've made when you hear the sound of the musical instruments. But if you refuse, you will be thrown immediately into the blazing furnace. Then what God and then what God will be able to rescue you from my power. Now, this is what I want us to see. This is what a lot of people believe. They really don't think there is a God that can deliver you. (laughs) Because they've not seen it. But who's going to step into the furnace? Because this is what these guys had to do. There came a dividing line, and it's like, what are you going to do? Now, I'm not going to get into the whole thing of what's COVID's this and COVID's that. I am saying there are decisions that we have to make. There are some things that I believe are coming in the future that are going to go against scriptural things. We're already seeing some of these at play. And we are going to be forced to have to make some decisions honoring Scripture, honoring God's Word, and knowing that God will back us like a good father does. And we're going to see this with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. But, but Nebuchadnezzar truly didn't think their God would deliver them. And it says here, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego replied, O King, O Nebuchadnezzar, we do not need to defend ourselves before you. 
Number one, God doesn't need to be defended. He's a big boy. He's got this attitude. He thinks he's God. And so they were like, we don't have to defend ourselves before you. If we are thrown into the blazing furnace, the God whom we serve is able to save us, and he will rescue us from your power, your majesty. But I love this, because this is the ultimatum, and this is what we all fight. But if he doesn't, this is the back door. This is the burning your ship. Can't remember who the explorers were that came in, and when they, when they landed on the land, they burned their ships so they couldn't go back. They literally had to settle and make it work. This is the burning their ship. But even if he doesn't, we want to make it clear to you, your majesty, that we will never serve your gods or worship the gold statue you have set up. Why? Because they are not worth my life. What are you exchanging your life for? What are we exchanging our life for? We are in a consumer, materialistic culture that pulls on us, pulls on us for all these things. And many times we have to ask ourselves, what am I exchanging my life for? So I got a great job. So I got this. So I got that. What are you exchanging your life for? You've got to live for what God put inside of you. It's not about all the things you get and all the things we accomplish. It's that God, what was it that you gave me and what have I left this generation when I go? This was what was inside of Daniel. And this was what was inside of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And they were like, look, we are, we know our God could deliver, but even if he doesn't, we want you to know this. It's not worth it to bow to what you have. He is worthy of us, and we will not bow to anyone but the God we serve, period. Now, I love this. Nebuchadnezzar was so furious with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego that his face became distorted with rage. That's a demon. <laughs> That's someone being controlled by something a little bit more than a regular human being. And he commanded that the furnace be heated seven times hotter than usual. I mean, you know, that's a little extreme. Burning is burning. Okay, seven times hotter is just what? Seven times hotter. It says here, then he ordered some of the strongest men of his army to bind Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. So first of all, he takes the strongest men, and this is what the world does. This is what the, the devil does using people. He'll take the strongest. He'll take the best. And what will he do? He'll bind you. And this is what he did. He bound them up. These guys, they bound them up. And it says that they threw him them into the furnace. 
So they tied them up and they threw them in the furnace, fully dressed in their pants, turbans, robes, and other garments. And because the king in his anger had demanded such a hot fire in the furnace, the flames killed the soldiers as they threw the three men in. So these big strong guys get fried, barbecue. His, some of his greatest guys are done. Why? Because he wanted this huge hot furnace. And, and so what, what, what do we see here? We see here Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego securely tied. They fell into the roaring flames. But suddenly Nebuchadnezzar jumped up in amazement and exclaimed to his advisors, didn't we tie up three men and throw them into the furnace? Yes, your majesty, we certainly did, they replied. Look, Nebuchadnezzar shouted, I see four men unbound walking around in the fire, unharmed, and the fourth looks like a god. Amen. How many know that's the God party? That's the God party. And the God party sometimes comes in the furnace. It comes in the heat. It comes in a time when God is bringing a dividing line and people have either got to compromise or they're going to take a stand. And I believe that God is doing that. I believe he's doing it with his people. I think he's getting us to weigh out some of the things in life that we've, we've settled for and we're bringing us back to his truth and his scriptures and saying, okay, God, what do you say about this? I'm hearing all this mixture out here, but what do you say? And are digging into the scriptures. You know, I want to encourage you, reading your Bible, going through the Bible in a year or having a Bible plan where you're continually reading the, the word of God it recalibrates you because the world brings things to your mind and you're thinking and it bombards you and you're getting all this stuff. And when you read the word of God, it recalibrates you and it sets this in motion. How many have had that where God all of a sudden um, pricks you and you're like, oh, I heard that. Oh, yes. And it straightens this out or you get a viewpoint and you're like, I, okay, now I see that clear. Why? Because you were, began to look at the word and it opened up to you God and an understanding of God and who he is. And Daniel and Shadrach and Meshach and Abednego, they lived from that place. So they knew that when they, when they were asked to violate something that went against the God that they served, they, they drew the line. And in this case, they went into a furnace and they went inbound and the only thing that burned in that fire was what? The ropes that bound them. Because they were unbound and they were having a party in there. It says here, it says, then, then Nebuchadnezzar, verse 26, came as close as he could to the door of the flaming furnace and shouted, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, servants of the Most High God, come out, come here. So Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego stepped out of the fire then the high officers, officials, governors, and advisors crowded around them and saw that the fire had not touched them. Isn't that awesome? Doesn't this give you encouragement? This isn't just a fairy tale story. This happened. This is our God. How many know we can go through furnaces, we can go through fires, and we can come out not smelling like smoke? 
We can come out not burned. It says here, they were, they were not scorched. They didn't even smell. It says here, um, that fire had not touched them. Not a hair on their heads was singed, and their clothing was not scorched, and they didn't even smell of smoke. I mean, how do you get away with that? I, I, we just had a fire the other day outside. You smell like smoke when you come into the house. They didn't even, God was literally like, no, none of this is going to touch them. Why? Because these people are set apart for me. And I want to show that they are set apart from all of it. That's our God. He is fully and completely good. It's like, how do I stand in the midst of all of this? What I believe we have to do like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. When certain things are coming, and there's, there's situations even now that are uh, uh, convictions, that you have to stand on the conviction that you have from God and from the scriptures. And, you know, you're asking, what, what, a person, what should I do? What should I do? Or you're imposing something on them. It's like, no, you have to take that before God, and you have to stand on that conviction, and you have to honor God from your heart, and make that choice. Now, there are some things that are blatantly um, clear, such as this situation here. They were told not to bow to any images, have no other gods before their God. So this one was an easy one for them. But how many other children of Israel bowed? Because why? They didn't want to go to the furnace. But Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego said, no, we're taking this to the fullest and we're going to honor God, and God will do what he does. So it says here, then they came out. They didn't even smell like smoke. Verse 28. Then King Nebuchadnezzar said, Praise to the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. He sent his angel to rescue his servants who trusted in him. Amen? This is the issue. What am I putting my trust in? And I think all of us need to ask those questions as we're going through life. What am I trusting? What am I trusting? What decisions am I making that I'm trusting God more than I'm trusting what's going on around me? Where am I putting my trust? Because they put their trust in God. They defied the king's command and were willing to die rather than serve or worship any god except their own god. Therefore, he says, I make this decree. If any people, whatever their race or nation or language, speak a word against the god of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they will be torn limb from limb. He really had a thing for limb from limbs. It was like, let's just rip some lens off. And now it's just, it's turned. It's like if anyone speaks against their God, their limbs are getting ripped off. <laughs> <clears throat> and it says here, and you know, this is what I want us to see with this. Like, this guy was extreme. Drastic, like, it required drastic measures. 
a lot of times we're like we're just everything just kind of floaty floaty but things are becoming more drastic and more extreme and it's going to require us to have extreme measures and stands for what God says in a situation with clarity and we can't be wavering and we can't be compromising or not knowing what God says and if we don't know what God says we've been given his word and that's where we need to go first God what do you say about this seek it out seek him out and he will reveal the truth in those situations so it says that he'll, they'll be torn limb from limb and their houses will be turned into heaps of rubble. And he says, there is no other God who can rescue like this. Then the king promoted Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego to even higher positions in the province of Babylon. So here we see it was honoring God. It was elevation. The Bible says, and he gave, God gave me this verse coming into this, this year and I believe into this season. Humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God that he might lift you up in due time. Casting all your cares and worries upon him because he cares for you. And he does. He cares for every single one of us. And I, do you not think that Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego are like having a prayer meeting the night before they know they're going to be called up under the, the ba and I'm sure like we seem to think they were just kind of, you know, they were human and they were trusting God and they had made a decision, but I'm sure inside they, there was parts of them that were trembling, but it didn't stop them from having true courage to honor God and do what was right. So, what I want us to, to, um, to see from this, and I believe this as fathers in particular, is that we, we ask ourselves, how can I honor God? And how can I be that one that brings the blessing of God to a thousand generations through my obedience and my love and my honor for God? Because in the end, that's what matters. It's not what I just accumulated in my life and you know i was able to leave them a house and it was paid for or you know whatever it, it is that we think we we want to leave the the lasting legacy we want to leave is that my life i honored god and i brought the blessing of god to a thousand generations out of my obedience and my love for god this is what daniel shadrach meshach and abednego did we are talking about them thousands of years later we are talking about them why because their legacy left the blessing of god and so james one let's just i want to close with this if i can have the worship team up all two of you <laughs> didn't they do a great job yeah in James 1, this is what it says. And this is what we have to keep in the forefront. Um, remembering a God, the God we serve. It says, so don't be misled, my dear brothers and sisters. Whatever is good and perfect is a gift coming down to us from God our Father, who created all the lights in the heavens. He never changes or casts a shifting shadow. He chose to give birth to us by giving us 
his true word. And we, out of all creation, became his prized possession. So God's saying here, remember my goodness. Remember that ultimately what is coming down, even through things that are not good, I can bring my goodness out of it. We see this here in the case with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. What was sent to destroy them, fry them up, and stop them, God protected them from, and he elevated them, and he displayed that he was the God that could do what no other God could do to a pagan nation. He showed his power. And we are reading about it today, and I believe that that nation has it in their history books too. You know, I was thinking about it. Why did God give King Nebuchadnezzar a, a prophetic dream that was going to take hundreds of years to unfold? But it's because it would be recorded in this word. It would be recorded in their history. And it would display that, look, this God knew the course of history. And the very things Daniel interpreted from Nebuchadnezzar's dream when we looked at last week, all of those things unfolded within hundreds of years. But God knew them. And he's like, I'm the God who sees and I'm the God who knows. And we can put our trust in that God. Amen? But what it means is abandoning ourselves for him. And a lot of times, trusting is choosing to not have to try to figure everything out about God, but to know that he is good and to draw on his goodness and his nature, and trusting he will give us the right thing to do at the right time, the right way. It, it's many times not necessarily knowing exactly what you need to do, but putting your life in his hands and knowing he is good. And if the decision is tough that you have to make and the world is coming against the very God you serve, you can stand confident knowing he will display his goodness even in the midst of the furnace, whatever it might be, he is good. So I don't want us to, we're going to just uh, worship him. If, if everyone who's here, let's stand. Because God's worthy of us standing and worshiping him. We're going to just declare you are worthy of it all. And I want us to just give everything back to him. As fathers, it's the most important thing that we can do. Give him back our families, our houses, our jobs, our future. They are his first. The only reason we can do what we can do is because of his power working in us. And if we allow him to work in us through those things, instead of taking those in our own hands and living small and living short-sighted, if we give it back to him, he can work in greater ways. And we can trust him for more. And he gives us true courage to be able to do that. So let's just worship him. As fathers today, I want us to just let him know he is worthy of it all. We give you, we give you back our, our, our lives, God. We give you back every part of our lives. We give you our families. We give you our homes. We give you our jobs. We give you our futures. We just give it all back to you. You are worthy of it all. And I ask that you would use us for your glory. That you would give us the courage 
to do what is right when we are confronted with wrong. Give us courage. Give us courage to honor you. Thank you, Lord. And God, I just thank you for every father. I bless them today. God, I ask that you would give them your strength and your courage to be able to stand for you and stand for what is um, right and true. God, that you would help us to seek out your word and seek out your ways, that we would silence the other voices and listen to your voice. God, give us the courage to be able to take the stands that are tough. Help us to honor you. Help us to put you first in everything that we do. We honor you. Thank you for joining us today. We pray that this message has truly blessed your life. For more information, go to bigchurch.cc. Thank you.